I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. She is the founder and CEO of an incredible company called Climb Higher. We are joined by Nitsan. Pellman, who is the founder and CEO, and Climb Hire's program model is based on the powerful role that social networks can play in securing living wage jobs. Uh, I love her journey because she didn't uh, start out doing this um, from birth. Uh, she actually worked in education and helping um, many, many people uh, actually around education. So in including founding important initiatives with re-up education and citizen schools. Uh, really, really cool stuff. So uh, I'm going to get Nissan to share her journey and uh, really share how she got into mission-driven entrepreneurship and um, obviously has done it multiple times, but I think it's really, really cool and very inspiring. So welcome. Thank you. It's so great to be here, Kara. Thanks for having me. Very, very excited. So tell us all what Climb Hire is. So Climb Hire is an organization that focuses on identifying people who are generally coming from low-income backgrounds or generally people of color who have dreams and aspirations and goals and desires to want to work in a job that pays them a living wage. Um, but are oftentimes stuck in retail or, you know, other kinds of minimum wage, low wage jobs. Um, and because they may not have an in-demand skill and access to networks and social capital, we help them to build both of those things so that they can get access to well-paid jobs. So we create economic mobility and opportunity through both learning some new hard things that are relevant to today's society and also by helping them build social capital and networks alongside of it. So how did you identify the need for founding and building a company like this? There are, there are many origin stories of Climb Higher. So um, if you'll allow me to kind of indulge in a couple of them, um, I, I'd love to tell the story in a couple of different ways. So one of them was that four years ago, I was an entrepreneur in residence at LinkedIn. And when I was there, they put a referral button on their platform. And what they learned by doing that was that the vast majority of job seekers were getting jobs through referrals. And I really started to think about that for my own life. And for the first time ever, realized like, oh my gosh, all of my jobs have come through networks, relationships, people I knew, um, you know, and one kind of led to the next and the next and the next. And um, gosh, where would I be without all of those people that 
opened their doors, referred me um, from one opportunity to the next. And I spent so much of every day of my life, like talking to people that somebody introduced me to and, you know, and so much of the world goes around that way. And then I start to think, okay, well, where do networks come from? Uh, kind of, I have a six-year-old, so you know, I'm like, where do babies come from? Where do networks yeah, come from? Yeah. Right? Like, uh, so um, I started to think about it and realized, you know, if you are in a middle or affluent class neighborhood or community, you've probably been building networks for you know since you were before kindergarten, um, because that's just like you're embedded in a in an orbit that is socializing and connecting often and frequently. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. 
Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think, and makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Um, But another place that people get to build networks again is generally in college. Um, And if you, you know, go to a four-year liberal arts institution and you live in dorms and you sing in an acapella club and you play lacrosse and you, you know, write for the newspaper, um, you get to spend hundreds of hours um, in this kind of coming of age moment in time with peers and friends and build organic, loving, funny, depth-filled relationships in that sort of period of eight to 25 years old. Um, it's a it's a it's a moment in time for people that's so formative um, for so much of the rest of their lives. But many people of color from low-income communities don't get to do that. Um, they oftentimes are going to community college because of cost. Um, and they're they have to take care of family members and they have to work. And so they don't have the luxury of time and the luxury to just hang out for hours on end with friends. And when you don't have that, that privilege, you don't get to do it. And then when you finish whatever education you're part of, then you end up applying to a retail job and you kind of get stuck there. Um, and so I had this hypothesis that there was all of this hidden and overlooked talent, people that have, have motivation, grit, drive, tenacity, um, and aptitude who just are hidden to us and don't, are not known in our world. Um, and if we could find ways to identify them and help them build those skills, we can, um, help them, um, get access to opportunity and jobs that, Many people in the middle class are just naturally accessed to, um, from, you know, finishing up school. That's kind of one big origin story. There's another one that I'd love to tell, but I'll pause. I'd love to hear it. No, it's, it's great. 
So I, the reason why I've worked in education, I've never run a workforce organization before. So this was my first foray into helping people get jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, um, as a younger person um, coming out of college myself, um, I was really inspired by Teach for America. And it was um, really taken by a very dear friend of mine who was doing Teach for America back in 1998. Um, it was a long time ago. And um, I started my career there as well on staff and um, was really shaped and molded in so many ways by the values of, of bringing, up, bringing equality and bringing access to education and opportunity through, you know, through education as education could be and should be the way in which we break a cycle of poverty. Um, and as I, as I, I spent 16 years in that space, both working and building citizen schools, working for the New York City Department of Ed, working at Teach for America, working at some charter schools and startup phase, lots of different permutations of ed reform um, in those 16 years. And then as part of my entrepreneurial journey, I got to found a company called Reup Education. I moved to Silicon Valley. I raised venture capital funds for it, um, and we re-enrolled students that had dropped out of college. And when you um, fight so hard to make sure that from an educational equity standpoint, everyone gets to go to college, and then you start a company in which people are, you're helping them re-enroll in college who have dropped out. I just realized, you know, the cost of college has become so prohibitive um, that it really has become a sorting mechanism for wealth more than anything else. And to ask people to finish college sometimes means that they're going to be in debt for the next 20, 30 years. Um, and we see so many societal impacts of that. People are not buying homes in the same way they did. They're not getting married. They're not having children. Like, because like the costs of life are just so overwhelming for even the middle class at this point. And so I just started to think like, you know, I went into this work 20 plus years ago because I've always had a passion for breaking the cycle of poverty. But if I do, then maybe we should find that talent out there and give them some short-term um, support so that they can get um, access to middle-class jobs, but don't put them through years and years of of education that may or may not lead to that outcome, but will definitely lead to a lot of debt. Um, so this was sort of a, a potential solution for that. Um, and the last part is that I, and, th- and this is really the most personal part of this story, is my own educational journey. Um, as a first grader, uh, many years ago, I was labeled as a special education student. And what that meant in my life is that nobody ever believed that I had much aptitude um, and I was really underestimated by a label um, that came to me at such a young age. And because I struggled in a classroom in whatever ways um, at, in first grade, that label followed me for the next um, decade plus. And I really graduated from high school without having the ability to read at a at a at a twelfth grade level or write at that level. And um, they were very painful educational experiences where school was a place that I was embarrassed, um, that I felt less than, that I felt like that I wasn't smart or intelligent. And um, amazingly enough, I ended up having a boyfriend who went to Harvard and I um, st- started to spend a lot of my college life at Harvard as the girlfriend of a Harvard student. And all of a sudden my 
personal label went from being um, a stupid kid to a smart kid. And the expectations of the world changed. Um, and what I was believed to be capable of changed overnight. Um, and I then very quickly realized that I had a lot of aptitude. I had less skill because um, I hadn't learned a bunch of important things as a younger person. But I taught myself those things in my 20s. And I've become a really successful social entrepreneur because um, I found my my grit and my drive and my motivation and my aptitude in my 20s um, because somebody believed in me that wasn't a teacher, um, that was a peer. Um, and it really helped me understand that there is so much human potential that oftentimes gets left out there in the wind. And that happens so much more often to people of color from low-income communities than it does to people that are white and middle class. And, and that my time at Teach for America was really molding and shaping me in thinking so much about the inequity in society. Like I was able to push through those labels and to reinvent myself as an adult. But, but that comes with privilege of having white skin, having, you know, having some needs economically. And what does that look like when you have none of those things working in your, um, in your advantage and in, in your privilege? And that's why my life's work has always been about helping people identify their human potential. And that's what we do at Climb Higher. I love that. So what is the process of people signing up for Climb Higher then? And how, how does that work? Well, the people that we serve are generally the people who are, you know, stocking your shelves at Trader Joe's or driving your Uber and Lyft um, cars. Um, and we find them on social media um, through, you know, platforms and TikTok and Reddit and Spotify and LinkedIn and Meta and things like that, um, you know, and, and people come to our website and they apply. We generally serve people that are in their 20s and 30s um, who have a little bit of work experience um, working in low-wage jobs and who have that aspiration and belief and desire to want something bigger for themselves. Um, and then they generally, uh, well, a prerequisite for the program is they need to be earning below livable wage. So those are really the criteria on the profiles of the people. Um, they enroll in the program. It all happens at night or on the weekends so that they can work during the day. Um, and it happens on Zoom um, twice a week for three hours. They're learning either Salesforce administration, digital marketing, or we're about to launch a, um, a cohort in cybersecurity. So skills that we know are really needed in our economy um, and that we can teach them in five or six months. Um, and then we really help people learn the art of relationship building and how do you have open-ended conversations instead of closed conversations? How do you use your body language to show that you're an active listener? How do you find connection in a conversation so that there's rapport that gets built? How do you tell your, that story that everyone wants to know about yourself? Like when they ask the question, tell me about yourself. How do you tell it in a compelling and concise way? Um, especially when you might not have, you know, here's all my metrics and here are my outcomes and here's the ways that I've, you know, um, operated in this corporate job. 
And so we really teach people around the art of storytelling. And then we give them many, many opportunities to practice with each other, with alumni of the organization, and then ultimately with middle-class professionals who are working at Google and LinkedIn and Salesforce and Workday um, that really support them in both their own storytelling and in their capacity to build relationships um, and, and learn those skills and ultimately um, build opportunities for referrals and networks that will open up doors for the long haul. It must make you feel so good when you're able to really help somebody and be able to place them into an opportunity that they feel successful and and also they feel better about themselves, right? And that they've actually achieved something. I'd love to hear a story from one of those moments when you really feel like you've seen somebody from the beginning to the poster child of of climb higher and uh if you can share that, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, the hard, the hard part of this question is that there's so many, and I, um, I, I love, I love these people so much that um, I think that they've changed my life so much more than I've changed theirs. So um, uh, it's hard to figure out one or two even to to tell. But I'll I'll tell the story of um, of uh, of Abdul. Abdul came to this country as an Afghani immigrant. Um, and about six or seven years ago, when we met him, he was sweeping and mopping floors at um, Jack in the Box during the day. He was a security guard at night and driving Uber and Lyft on the weekends. Well, you expect that a typical hardworking immigrant is doing um, in this country to make ends meet and to um, find a better life for themselves. Um, he went through our Salesforce administrator training and did, you know, really well. Um, and we helped him network um, into uh, a company called Gusto. Um, Gusto is a really kind of well-known Silicon Valley company that helps many small and medium-sized businesses with all of their back office operations. And he became their Salesforce administrator um, and was and he started out as a contract to hire role, um, earning about fifty or sixty thousand um, dollars. And very quickly, they realized that he had so much um, in him. He was working so hard, um, and uh, they quickly promoted him. And I think at this point, he's had maybe four or five promotions. He's earning well over a hundred thousand um, dollars at this point. Um, and I think what's so spectacular and amazing about Abdul is that he became, uh, this company was incredibly fast growing for many, many years and, and continues to be. Um, he became one of the top five employees at Gusto. Um, and, um, and he did that, um, driving Uber and Lyft at night and on the weekends, even in this corporate job. Because the Taliban were coming um, to Afghanistan and he knew that his family was going to be in danger and he wanted to get them out. And so he saved up enough money to get all of them visas, nine of them, um, so that he could get them into Pakistan right really uh, the day before the, the Taliban came. Um, and in all of this, he also then was diagnosed with a brain tumor and like was became a cancer survivor. And in all of this continues to like maintain his stature as like one of the top employees at Gusto. Oh um, that's what we mean by hidden and overlooked talent. 
Like yeah. nobody would have, like Abdul would still be driving Uber and Lyft and working a Jack in the Box if like we didn't help him quite honestly build social capital to, you know, get into Gusto and he's doing awesome. Well, and I think also to your earlier point, having somebody that believes in you, that's sometimes all it really takes, right? To be able to say, you know, you can do this um, during these hard times. And I'm sure there's, I would guess there's probably somebody in his community who says, you know, how are you going to do that? You're not going to be able to get that done. You're not going to be able to go and work for that big Salesforce company or do anything around Salesforce. And and so the doubters that are out there, um, you need somebody that can believe, right? And that can help you really understand that, you know, you can achieve big things. Now, when you're building this company, um, you've done a few other social impact uh, companies. A couple of questions I have, but what's been the hardest uh, piece of building your company today? I mean, the hardest piece is that like you're never in full control, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, you and I were sort of chatting before the recording started about, you know, a big contract that hint got and then it couldn't implement it because of, you know, yeah. what the truck drivers, you know, company came totally. from, right? Just like we sometimes have these like incredible successes or, you know, these downward moments that um, oftentimes live and die by, you know, external factors like what's happening in the economy. So, you know, when we started Climb Higher, it was about six months before the pandemic. And there was a lot of talk about the economic bubble that we were in. The economy was very strong then. And then when it started, um, the pandemic started and everything moved to Zoom, I was like, oh my God, there's no way that we're going to be able to build relationships and social capital off of Zoom. Like this organization is going to die even before it ever got started. And I was, I sort of quietly mourned the loss of it. But then quite honestly, you know, the murder of George Floyd, like really awoke our country and really put into very sharp focus that the racial inequality that exists for the experience of black and brown people are so radically different than those of white people in this country. And it was, it, I think it was this real awakening of a moment. And so many companies wanted to all of a sudden hire black and brown people. And we were training black and brown people. And so there were a lot of companies that were reaching out and we were seeing people get jobs all over the place. It was incredible. Um, who would have thought that the pandemic would have like opened up all of these doors, but it did. Mm -hmm. And now here we are four years later, well, like the economy is taking more of a hit, although it's a little bit more mixed, but certainly in corporate and in tech, there's been mass layoffs. And so some of those amazing people who got those jobs one or two or three years ago have now been laid off. And and so there's just a lot of cycles to um, helping people find jobs, helping people survive layoffs, helping people survive, you know, from one state of the economy to the other. And I, I would say that that just creates, you know, a lot of emotional roller coasters um, for anyone in a leadership position. Yeah, definitely. I think we're going through a whole transition uh, with so many companies right now, just trying to figure out what, not just what jobs we need, but also like, you know, 
which are virtual, which are, uh, there's just so much going on right now. And I think that any, I, I would imagine that what you do at Climb Higher is impacted um, by people just kind of being frozen because they just don't know what to do um, yeah. on that front. So I would imagine that that would be really interesting, but at times challenging. But I do believe that it's getting sorted out. Um, and I'm optimistic that it will get more and more so to, sorted out. So uh, have you raised money uh, for the startup as well? I have. Um, this um, this organization is, um, is a non-for-profit um, and it was really intentionally designed as a non-for-profit with a revenue model. Um, and so we have philanthropic support. The employers pay us when they hire our people. Um, a, like essentially a staffing fee um, uh, fee structure. Um, we get some government funding as well um, for upskilling work. Um, so it's kind of a braided approach. And then the last, which I actually think is the most important part of our revenue model, is that because the climbers, which is what we call our participants, are not in a position to pay for the program when they start it because the criteria to be in it is that they are earning below livable wage. So we're not going to ask people who are earning below livable wage to pay for something. But when they finish the program and they get a job that pays them about 47 to 50K um, or above that, which most people get that, um, then they pay for the next person to be in the program. Mm -hmm. And so they pay $150 a month for four years. Um, and that allows them to pay it forward. Um, and that is the value of our community, which is that everybody's helping everybody rise. Um, no one's in it to just build their own skills, um, but to really build the skills and the collective community um, of people that are coming from a certain background and a certain, you know, life story. I love it. It's, uh, it must be so inspiring for you to be able to watch that all grow um, significantly. So it's really, really, really great. So what advice would you give, maybe some advice that you've gotten over the years around just starting a, a social impact company? You've got an idea, an idea that you really want to get off the ground that uh, you believe needs to be out there, but you just don't know where to start. I mean, you're you're passionate about something, but how do you do it? I mean, you've been able to focus on three companies now. I mean, you're a serial um, social <laughs> impact entrepreneur that has been able to do it. But what what do you think is kind of the best advice that you've ever gotten, or that you would give to people, knowing what you know today? I mean, what I would just say, like, social capital really matters. <laughs> like. Mm -hmm. Who you know matters. And I'm not saying that that means that every entrepreneur that doesn't have a rich, robust network, like you're dead in the water. But I've been spending many years building a network. Um, and like one opportunity has led to the next because of these robust networks. So, you know, another part of the origin stories of Climb Higher is that um, there's this guy named Tom. Um, and Tom was... Clinton and Obama's chief technology and science advisor in the White House for almost 20 years. And many of the people in my network knew Tom, and I had been hearing about Tom for probably about 20 years, but I'd never met him. He was kind of like Snuffleupagus in my head, like this like mysterious creature who like no one ever really sees, but here we hear about him a lot. 
And then four years ago, um, I was at a dinner party and Tom was at this dinner and I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. (laughs) And I went over to Tom at the end of the dinner and I said, you know, you don't know me, but I know lots about you and I've been following you for a long time and so exciting to meet you. And um, we ended up having a long chat. And and it turns out that um, at this point, um, it was a new administration, the the Trump administration. And uh, it was clear that he was not going to be working in the Trump administration. And so um, I was like, what are you doing now? And he said, I work for Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, and I help him find entrepreneurs who, um, who who have big ideas. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, and I didn't even think about it, but I offered him a ride home and we both lived in the East Bay and we, it was a dinner in San Francisco and I gave him a ride home and, um, we had a, you know, lovely 30, 40 minute chat in the car and I, in the car ride, I mean, I, I was asking him many questions about his time in the government and what he's up to. And we were trading stories and he was asking me about LinkedIn. And, and then I was telling him about this insight that I had that social capital really was this, um, this, um, lubricant that, Mm -hmm. that opened up all these doors. And then I really was thinking that, there needs to be a workforce upskilling organization that focuses on helping people to build that. And it just seems like everyone's just focused on building skills and that's it. And I was kind of like, so how's this going to work? The coal miner in West Virginia is going to become an AWS cloud practitioner. And then they're going to start applying cold for jobs with no relevant experience and no one vouching for them. Like, how is this going to actually create any opportunity for people? And I, you know, so I said, I had this idea in my head. And at the end of the car ride, he said to me, um, I think Eric Schmidt would really like this idea. And I think you should write me a one pager. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, Eric Schmidt is not going to like this idea. Eric Schmidt likes blockchain and AI and yeah. robots and things that are automated. <laughs> like, this is about people. Um and I, you know, I wrote him a one pager and, you know, uh, a month later he called me back and he said, Eric is going to give you a million dollars to start the organization. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, and it's just kind of like rolled from there. And I, I don't take any of that for granted, but I think like knowing how to really engage people and I, I didn't do it with a real agenda. Like it was a really authentic relationship. And so I would say, you know, you got to be authentic. You got to constantly be like thinking about this work and touching it and feeling it and knowing it and falling in love with it every day and being passionate about it and then finding good ways to tell stories about it so that people come alive with you and become curious about it and become interested in it. And then to have the resolve to like weather the storms. There's a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs, there's a lot of lows, there's a lot of highs. And to sort of know entrepreneurially, like that's a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress that comes with this work. Um, It's not for the faint of heart. But like if you can, if you're a people person and you're a relationship builder and you're a storyteller and you can like bring people along with you, then, then I think, and then you need to find you know, where are your non-strengths? Where are the places where you're not really great? I'm not a great operator. I'm a great storyteller and I'm a great galvanizer and I'm an inspirer and I have ideas and I bring them into the world, but I have an incredible team at Climb Higher that like makes these ideas become reality. Um, and you know, I have, I have people, I have counterparts. Um, my, the president of the organization, her name is Serby Grant. She is the best operator I know. She's the best people manager I know. She 
She's the best culture builder I know. And so like when we were working together on and off for 13 years and, um, in various, various venture, uh, ventures. And, um, I think that that's the last part is like, know your strengths, like know what you do know how to do and know what you don't know how to do and what you don't know how to do, get out of the way and find the right people who do. Um, and then double down on the things that you are really uniquely good at. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing more about your journey and also climb higher. We'll have all the info in the show notes as well for people to check out more information, but best of luck with everything. And thank you for doing what you're doing because it's really important. Social impact is, is important, but um, building companies that actually uh, connect people and show them that they have the support and that they can jump into jobs uh, if they believe um, is, is really, really critical. So absolutely. So thank you again. And thank you everybody for listening. Thanks, Kara. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023. And goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.